Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the State News Sports Podcast. I am your host, Sam Metry. With me today is Colton Wood and Sweet Chitrata, State News Beat Reporters. We're going to talk MSU football. Lost to Notre Dame 38-18. Colton, what was your first takeaway? Turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. The Spartans had three turnovers. Notre Dame had zero. Irish scored 21 points off those turnovers, three touchdowns. So that was a swinging point in the game. Coach D'Antoni spoke about it after the game and spoke throughout, throughout the week saying that that was a point in the game that needed to be fixed and they need to move on that going forward. So if they can fix those turnovers, they, that would have been a totally, completely different game. Suiji, what about you? What do you think? Um, I think obviously the obvious thing is turnovers and that MSU had three first half turnovers. I mean, looking at the halftime crowd, the, that student section filed out very quickly. So I think, yes, turnovers, but there were also other execution problems. I mean, I believe MSU had four different personal fouls that's going to kill drives or extend drives. You can't have that happening if you're the Spartans. Um, there were some mixed tackles that really played in it. I think there was some bad decision making. Um, overall, it was just a really sloppy game by a very young team. I think that they can bounce back from it. We'll see against Iowa this weekend. But overall, if we if this MSU team is going to be good, I think this is very I think this is very beneficial for them just to see what a tough loss in front of a national audience is like. Just to see how they bounce back from adversity, especially Coach D'Antonio keeps calling them resilient. So we'll see how they bounce back here. Yeah, first lo- not a Big Ten loss, so not a huge deal, but still, still first loss. Um, and they just came out looking flat to me. I mean, I was watching the game on TV, but they just looked flat. Like from the start, what Notre Dame just marched on the field in under two minutes. Like they just, it just they didn't seem like they came off the bye week. They seemed flat. What about you guys? Yeah. The, so the drive, the initial drive was lasted, I believe, uh, if I was correct, one minute fifty five seconds. So they all that hope that all the Spark fans might have had about this season after going two and zero. Obviously, they shouldn't expect this to be an undefeated season, but that kind of shot everyone's hopes out and took them out of the game early, and, you know, they couldn't respond to that right down to there. So that was the issue there. But um, also another thing was forced turnovers. There's only one team that Michigan State is better at at forcing turnovers. and so. But other than that, Michigan State's at the bottom half of that league at the bottom. So if they could force turnovers against – the future opponents in the conference play, that could also be a change, too, as long as they get their turnovers on their side or the offensive side. Yeah, they've, they've only forced two turnovers this season. Um, but that's that's not something you typically see out of a Spartan defense. But, you know, we were as we talked about last week how we weren't expecting Winbush to come in and throw the, be that big of a pocket presence, but he was. He was slinging the ball all over the place. Um, does that make you look at the secondary a little bit differently? I think so because I th- it, against the the previous game at Boston College, I think he threw like 95 yards, and most of it was uh, the other all-purpose yards were through rushes, scrambling out of the pocket. So I mean, to be able to the hope that you know that secondary had, and, you know how young it is, but the fact that he kind of scorched that secondary, they did have some good plays near the end there. Josiah Scott came away strong, but you know it's it's still kind of concerning how they did that. And I spoke with uh, Josiah Scott earlier this week and he said that they need to work on more tighter coverage to kind of prevent their opponents from getting off easily and they need to get their hands on them more and so I mean I guess we'll just see what they do against Iowa I think that they will rebound I think this is what was a learning statement for that young team to finally realize what it's like to to mostly struggle throughout the game so I guess we'll just see what happens the rest of the way. Sweet what about you any now after you sort of seen the secondary against the better quality in quarterback and better quality offense what do you do you have any second thoughts about this team about the secondary what do you what are you looking at um I think that 
yes, Wimbish came out passing at the beginning of the game. I think that was a little bit surprising if you were asking some of the players. Yes, it was a little bit surprising, but I mean, Chris Fry told me before the game, um, I mean, he has, Wimbish has a cannon for arm, and the accuracy might not have been there, but he had an arm nonetheless. Um, so I think that's pretty noteworthy uh, to mention, but another thing to mention is that all the hype that this secondary has been generating, especially Josiah Scott, I mean, Colton just mentioned it, PFF, uh, Pro Football Focus, has been grading multiple, um, I tweeted out yesterday, multiple guys, for some reason, Kari Willis was listed as a, as a cornerback, but we'll see how the secondary plays, I think, um, Wimbush was a better quarterback than James Morgan and uh, Wassing from Western Michigan, but, well, I think the verdict is still out in the sense that, I think there is, this is a talented secondary, but it's really hard to tell in such small sample size of just three games. I think once we, once MSU, we see these young players play against better competition, especially in the Big Ten, just because Big Ten is a whole other monster, and the Spartans keep talking about it as well, we'll see how they respond to, I guess, just better quarterback play, better running back play as well. So, moving on to Iowa, do you expect Iowa to be uh, better than Notre Dame? Michigan State going to struggle with Iowa a bit more. What do you What do you think coming up this week? I think Iowa is another team just like MSU where nobody really knows how good they are. Because, I mean, they played Penn State on the road very well, but they also gave up, I want to say, almost 600 total yards. And... To be fair, though, that is to Saquon Barkley, who's just looked phenomenal. Yeah, year. of course. I mean, Saquon Barkley might win the Heisman this year, but we don't really know how good they are yet, just because, I mean, Iowa fans, I've seen argue on the internet, all that kind of stuff, that their defense is bent but not break, and I mean, MSU fans can probably uh, relate to that just because of the last past few years, they kind of played the same, same style of defense, but we'll see. I mean, it was a tough, heartbreaking loss. I, I mean, Lewerke was talking about it on Tuesday. He'd prefer a tough, tough loss, tough uh, walk-off loss than a blowout loss in Notre Dame. So I think Iowa's going to be hungry. I think MSU's going to be hungry. I mean, both are coming in after a loss, and it's, it's at least a start of Big Ten play for MSU. So if they're not motivated for this game, I'll be very surprised. But the verdict is still out on Iowa, too. I mean, we don't really know what they feature. I mean, I know, I know their quarterback is pretty good, Stanley, but we'll, we'll see. I think the verdict a lot, a lot of this is we'll see. Colton, you looking at any key matchups for this I week think, against Iowa? I think it's how the uh, the rush defense is going to play out. You know, after the uh, Notre Dame game, Coach Antonio said how how disappointed he was in the Spartans' ability to stop the run. So he, he was he's talking about how he wanted not only for the stop in the run, but also for the inability to run the ball on the offensive side. So it's really just the rushing on both sides. Uh, the coaches have been sp- t- talking about it. Players have been talking about it. They, they can force turnovers if they run the ball, their opponents. So being able to force their opponents to run the ball and get those mistakes, whether it's prying out or doing like the, the classic peanut punch or anything like that, is going to be a matchup. And then also how the running backs can run the ball as well and rebound from what Coach D'Antoni thought was a mediocre running game. Well, I don't think we've really talked about MSU's run defense. What, who are who are we, who specifically, who on that run defense needs to step up, who on that run defense needs to show something? Well... Coach Antonio's been saying it, how everyone needs to be stepped up. You can't really pinpoint it there. I mean, you, I guess you could say whoever on the, the couple tackles or whatever, but really I think that whole team needs to step up. Um, Chris Fry, everyone. Uh, and it, it starts with him. Obviously, he's the leader on the team. You're the captain. So it starts with him, and then it goes from there. So if he can't take that tackle or he can't audible something that he sees, then that's what's going to start there. So if it starts bad there, then it's the whole – play right there if it's going to go downhill. Switchy, what have you seen out of the run defense so far this year? 
Yeah, I think Colton, Colton mentioned it well in the sense that everybody does need to be accountable. Um, I think Chris Fry had that big sack, a couple big sacks around the edge. So I think he's been doing well, uh, just generating some pressure. Um, overall, at the run defense, though, I'd like to see the D-line. I mean, I would like to see the D-line. I'm sure Spartan fans would as well. Just generate more pressure. Um, I mean, I think one thing that was notable was that, yes, Spartans did only allow, I want to say, 182 rushing yards to Notre Dame. That was actually my prediction pre-game, though. Um, MSU will keep Notre Dame on the 200 yards rushing. However, there was a lot. Um, D'Antonio said it best in the sense that the averages per rush for Adams and Wimbush were over, I want to say, six. I think we're over six, which, I mean, is, is not acceptable if you want to win a football game. So, yeah, I think Notre Dame a little blindsided uh, MSU a little bit. The Spartan defense always talks about, they always stress that stopping the run is the number one goal. I mean, Chris Fry said it a lot of times. They pride themselves on that. So we'll see how they bounce back. Um, because, I mean, Iowa also has a talented running back as well, too. So. Any other keys to the game you guys want to point out? Um, I think I really want to see, personally, how Brian Lewerke responds to this. Just because, he, realistically speaking, he didn't have a very good game. He, I mean... Yes, the Spartans did have that one drive after going down 14-0 to bring it back to a one-score game. That was a nice drive to kind of to bounce back to make a statement to Notre Dame that, hey, we're still kind of in this game. But Lewerke still had, you know, I mean, the fumble, the pick six, all that kind of stuff. And he is one of the leaders of this locker room. I mean, he is a retro sophomore. Technically, he's an underclassman, but he's a third-year player. This is a time where we really see what he's made of. I mean, Connor Cook kind of took the reins a couple years ago in 2013 from uh, Andrew Maxwell during the Iowa game. So who knows? Maybe this is same team. It's on at home this time, but maybe we'll see Lewerke kind of take that next step into becoming that de facto quarterback, that guy, that next, I guess, generational quarterback for MSU. Yeah, I'm, really not, I'm not trying to be a Spartan apologist here when I say this, but if you there's two things that... They happen if, if LJ Scott doesn't fumble on the one yard line, yeah. and if that pick six doesn't happen, this is a totally different game. I know those oh, yeah. are two huge plays, and huge plays make games, but that's those are two just one's a simple execution thing, and as we've heard all week, LJ Scott's been carrying a football around the practice facility. <laughs> but and the same thing with uh, Lewerke, that's just him making an extra read. Yeah. It's those are two two mistakes, two huge mistakes, two game changing mistakes, but it's only two of them. It's that's a and and second half they were just that game was over already. I think that I just think that those two plays happen. Maybe it's a different game, but again, I'm not trying to be a Spartan apologist here. They they are mistakes. They still matter. Yeah, I mean that's definitely fair. I mean, young young teams are always going to make pains. There's going to be growing pains. The players, all those coaches are going to say it's not an excuse. But at the end of the day, these are still young players, um, and you know they're going to make mistakes. L.J. Scott and Brian Lewerke are actually in the same uh, class, even though their eligibilities are different. And I mean, yes, they are third year guys, but they're still kind of learning how to fly too. They're I mean. They're the same age as me. I'm a junior, and I make mistakes all the time. So I think, yes, we should. I mean, the fan base, the fan base media, we should give them some slack. But at the end of the day, you gotta perform better. And I, I think Big Ten play is the perfect time to start that. Colton, any other last points? Uh, I'm. I mean, I'm kind of interested to see how Josiah Scott handles all the the attention he's had. You know, I think this week has been the first week that he's gotten. A lot of attention, you know. He's been also the first week he was listed listed as yep. a starter. He's yep. been starting most games, but this is the first time he's actually yeah, been he's, listed. Yeah, he started well. all three games, but this is the first time that he's officially been listed on the depth chart. Uh, he'll be with Josh Butler, I believe, is who he's going to be with alongside. But um, he said he didn't really. It doesn't really matter. Obviously, it cares about who you start. You can say that 
Masai the Weaver is going to start on the depth chart, but then it all matters in the game. So, I mean, I, I can't blame him there, but I'm just really curious how, you know, he's been, like Suichi said, on pro football, a lot of their uh, rankings and stuff for freshmen and Big Ten conference teams. So I, I want to see how he handles this. First conference game of his career. So it should be interesting how he responds. Obviously, those rankings that we keep talking about are pro football focuses rankings. They do a great job of sort of advanced stats with football, and they do NFL and college stuff. But let's move on to the rest of the week. We're going to start making picks because Big Ten season has started. We missed one last week, but this is the first full slate of Big Ten games. So we're going to start making picks. We're going to try and compete against each other. I'm going to keep track of who picked what. But let's start off with Nebraska, six-and-a-half favorites over Illinois. Colton, who you got? Ah... See, I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Nebraska. Nebraska. I think, yeah. Sweetie, I'll go with Nebraska here. Uh, it should be noted that's a nighttime Friday night game, something the Big Ten has been pushing for. So we'll see we'll see if that plays. Actually, yeah, we'll go with Nebraska here. All right. Well, I'm gonna go Illinois just to be different, <laughs> and because I think Lovey Smith is still a good coach. Um, next game, Maryland versus Minnesota. Minnesota's twelve and a half point favorites. Minnesota's twelve and a half. I'll take Minnesota on that. It's a little bit hard. I mean, Maryland. I think they're on their fourth string quarterback now. I think their third string just suffered a torn ACL. So bad luck there for the Terrapins. I feel bad. I mean, they had that great win against Texas, but it's hard not to take Minnesota home here. Yeah, that that blood of the quarterback this week kind of hurt. So yeah, I'm gonna go with the favorite. Yeah, I'm a contrarian, but I'm not that much of a contrarian. I'm going Minnesota as well. <laughs> um, Wisconsin, fourteen and a half point favorites over Northwestern. I'll take Northwestern on that. I think. Who knows? Pat Fitzgerald might might pull some magic out. It's a classic Big Ten West matchup, so I'll take I'll take the Wildcats. That's bold. I'm gonna go Wisconsin, undefeated, two and zero at home. Go Wisconsin. All right. Uh, the spread is what's messing with me on this one. It's a lot of points. Oh yeah. It's early. I don't really. I haven't. I gotta go Wisconsin. It's a lot of points, <laughs> but I'm still going Wisconsin. Um, Penn State, seventeen and a half over Indiana. I'm going first just because I don't want to think about this anymore. Penn State's gonna win by way more than seventeen and a half. Cool. What do you got? Yeah, I'm definitely with you there. I mean, there's some thought that, you know, maybe that performance last week carries over with Iowa, but Penn State's going to come back soundly if you don't. I'm going to go with Indiana. Just to shake Ooh, you're the contrarian this time. Sh- All right. Shake things up. Any, any particular reason why? Or you just want to be different? I just want to be different. I think Indiana might Fair show enough. a few things. So. Now, this is the tied for the largest spread of the week. The other Alabama spread is the other one. I think they're playing Ole, Ole Miss. Yeah. Ole Miss. But this is a 28.5 point spread. Ohio State over Rutgers. I honestly don't know how many points you'd have to give me for me to take Rutgers in this game. You know, I'm going to take Rutgers. Just because, really? Yes, I'm going to take Rutgers just because Ohio State has looked good in the past few weeks, but there are some question marks. Rutgers didn't look god-awful against Wisconsin, or, oh, excuse me, Washington in Week 1. It is a home night game, so I'm going to take Rutgers on this one just to see how they do. I, I really want to say Rutgers, but I, I, just, I just don't think I can do it with the Buckeyes, so I'm going to go with the Buckeyes. Yeah, we're going to come on this podcast next week. We're going to be like, <laughs> Ohio State beat Rutgers by 30 points, and you're going to be like, of course they did. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> It's this is like uh, you're overthinking this a little bit too much. All right, and we purposely are doing Michigan State last because I'm trying to trick all the listeners to listening for the whole thing. But MSU is three and a half is three point favorites over Iowa, the closest game on the Big Ten schedule for this weekend. What do you guys got? I'm gonna go with Iowa. I I don't. I think the only reason that MSU is favored here is because of their home, which is you know a fair excuse. But I think. Like I mentioned earlier in this podcast, that we don't know anything about Iowa, but I think we know more about Iowa than MSU, so I'm going to go with the Hawkeyes. Yeah, I mean, I'm sad to say it, 
but I don't think the Spartans are going to be able to uh, keep not turning it over, so I'm going to go with Iowa. I'm picking MSU. I think they're going to. I'm sorry. I'm picking Iowa, but I think MSU is going to win and not cover. So I think uh, I think MSU will win by either one or two points. I think it's a. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to come down to the end. Um, yeah. Any other takeaways you guys want to have for this week of college football? Uh, not really. I mean, another another week in college football. So. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more podcasts. We're probably going to break down MSU had a. MSU Hockey had media day on Wednesday. We're probably going to talk to Kara Keating about that. Colton Sweet will be back next weekend for another breakdown of some college football. Thanks so much for listening, guys. All right, bye-bye.